I'm Dapokalawale. For our very first episode, we bring to you the story of Sand Hill Coffee, a Chicago-based company that came to be when the owner couldn't find a job. Hope you enjoy it. So prior to starting Sand Hill Coffee, I have never worked in a cafe. I never worked in the food and beverage industry. Um, I actually came from the research side of the pharmaceutical world. So what got me into coffee is, so I used to work in Michigan. And when I moved to be uh, closer to family, back to Chicago, I got a short-term contract job, but then that ended and I was looking for the next thing. Um, and when, during that searching process, I stumbled, I came upon a history book on coffee, read it, um, and that's what started me down the rabbit hole. I started roasting coffee for myself. At the same time, no job offers, no opportunities. Uh, so I decided to try it out and see what would happen. From City Spoon, this is Fired Up, a show that highlights the best chefs, restaurateurs, eateries, and everything in between that Chicago has to offer. I'm Dapo Kalawali. For our very first episode, we bring you the story of how Phil Wingo of Sandhill Coffee, a Chicago-based company, started and is on a mission to provide you with an ethical and environmental conscious coffee experience. Bill, welcome to Fired Up. Oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. For the first one, I feel it's like it's an even bigger deal. Yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I would say before we jump in, can you share um, some interesting facts about yourself that people may not know about you? Facts about myself. Yes. Um, so I lived in, this is probably the most interesting one. I actually, I lived in China for almost a year. And while living there, I learned how to Latin dance. So in, I lived in Shanghai and in Shanghai, there's actually like a pretty big following for dancing. <laughs> nice. Nice. Dancing, huh? In Shanghai for a year. Yes. Wow. Uh, do you have plans of going back soon or? Oh, I would love to at some point, you know, take my family back there just to show them. Um, Cause it, it's a huge city. There's tons of things to do that are very, um, you know, it's a huge international city. So there's different pockets where you can go and it's like these neighborhoods and some of them are so old and the history behind it. It's, it's really cool. Yeah. I've, I've, I've had an opportunity to be, to visit China, like in 2016, uh, exactly where I have to go back and look at my, you know, cause it, it was just like a, a, a very quick in and out situation, uh -huh. but uh, it's definitely uh, an experience to, to that anyone should, you know, if they have the chance to do, they should do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. Absolutely. So, well, let's, let's dive in. Um, Sandhill coffee is, is all about coffee. What got you into, into this industry? Uh, it's kind of interesting, actually. So prior to starting Sandhill Coffee, I have never worked in a cafe. I never worked in the food and beverage industry. Um, I actually came from the research side of the pharmaceutical world. So what got me into coffee is, so I used to work in Michigan. And when I moved to be uh, closer to family, back to Chicago, I got a short-term contract job, but then that ended and I was looking for the next thing. Um, and when during that searching process, I stumbled, I came upon a history book on coffee, read it. Um, 
then that's what started me down the rabbit hole. I started roasting coffee for myself. At the same time, no job offers, no opportunities. Uh, so I decided to try it out and see what would happen. Wow. So a book started this whole journey. What A, a book and sampling some different coffees. I would awesome. say the sampling the coffees triggered the book. The book triggered all this. Wow. Well, I, I checked out the site and you do have a variety of options for people to pick from. In fact, the one I picked, I was like, okay, I'm just going to start here and I'm going to have to sample through because I'm a coffee drinker. I, you know, at least I have uh-huh. two coffee, cups of coffee before 8 a.m. in the morning, maybe one around three. And I could have one at 10 p.m. too and fall asleep right after. I yeah. It because I love it. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> so um, your mission statement says, you know, you want people to experience the ethical and um, the ethical and environmental um, journey of coffee. What is that? What does that mm-hmm. mean? Uh, so that's, I mean, starts from the source. So when I'm sourcing the coffee, uh, I'm not going through a large wholesaler where I talk to one person and they get all the coffee I'm looking for. And I don't know what goes on beyond that. Um, I'm working with the farms directly and um, kind of looking at what they do to, you know, take care of their staff and their environment, their property. Um, I was actually just looking at a few things the other day when talking to someone. So I got some couple quick uh, notes of information. So like um, the farm that the coffee that you just purchased, um, the main ingredient is from Honduras. So I'm going to look at my notes here. So the Honduras farm that that is from is uh, they're USDA organic certified. So they don't use herbicides or pesticides. Everything is trimmed. All the weeds are trimmed by hand. Uh, they're bird friendly. So what that means is they're keeping, um, and this kind of goes in hand in hand with shade grown. That's a very popular coffee term. And so what that is, they're keeping the natural canopy and the natural ecosystem of their property rather than clear cutting all the trees and then just playing coffee plants. Mm-hmm. They're keeping the, the different canopies. So all the animals from birds down to little insects can still stay there. Awesome. I'll say then just moving to kind of my end, um, I'm saying Hill coffee is part of an organization called 1% for the planet and 1% for the planet was started by the founder of Patagonia, the clothing company. And by being part of that, we're promising to donate 1% of our yearly revenue to an environmental organization. Um, and so we partnered with the conservation foundation. They're based in the suburbs, uh, but they do a lot of work and duration, stream, river protection, uh, wetland protection, kind of just preserving natural spaces through the northern half of Illinois. Uh, awesome. Can any kind of business um, partner with the with the one percent organization? Can can like a company like City Spoon do something like that? Yeah, totally. Um, you just look online and look at their uh, application process. It's just. Uh, applying, talking to an organ, uh, one of the members there and seeing how it works out. And then it's just, you know, kind of building that into your um, business and your um, mentality of thinking about the environment. Gotcha. And they have a great network of businesses too within that. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, so how long have you been doing Sandhill and how has that journey been for you so far? Oh, it's been, it's a really good learning experience. Um, 
So I started, this was this past June. So a couple months ago was the start of year three officially. Um, so it's going to be my, it's my third summer uh, farmer's markets, kind of doing events, things like that. That's how I'm getting started. Uh, but it's been a great learning experience. Like I mentioned a minute ago, um, I've never started a business before and not being in the food industry prior to this, it's been a good learning curve, but it's been fun. Gotcha. Is the, is your, your business model a direct, only direct to consumer or do you also um, do restaurants buy from you? I'm, I'm trying to understand if that's another, if that's something you do already. Uh, so I would say right now, mainly direct to consumer. Um, I do sell to a handful of grocery stores or like small retailers. So I do have a small wholesale side and that's definitely I, uh, something I'm focusing on building. So whether that be um, supplying coffee for restaurants, cafes, um, small hotels, you know, down the line when I'm roasting, can roast that much. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's definitely something I'd like to grow into. Awesome. So you talked about the process of roasting and um, you talked specifically, you mentioned that the brand that I had purchased, you didn't have, you should have done some more roasting um, for that brand. How do you do that? Where do you do it? How do you go about trying to do that? You want to expand on that? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm, you know, say I'm fortunate enough to have, a, I had a good connection um, and was introduced to a coffee roaster in the area and I actually, I rent time on their roaster to get started. Gotcha. Um, so now rewind a little bit behind that. How did I learn? Um, I, so kind of like uh, roasting at home is like this subculture in a way, you know, kind of just like home brewing your own beer. Um, so there's websites out there with all the home roasting equipment that you can need. That's how I got started. I bought a miniature roaster about the size of a microwave. And I would just roast coffee myself learn a lot learn what not to do um and then about a year and a half into this got connected with um they're actually it's brew point in elmers so if you're if you're in the area go grab a cup of coffee from them absolutely um absolutely. but yeah so i rent time with them and that's how i've been able to grow a little bit and so the process of roasting it's the easiest way to i've used this analogy easiest way to explain it is like cooking meat so it's very reliant on time and temperature. So your light roast is think of like a, a rare piece of meat. Uh, your dark roast, your French roast, think of that as being well done. Gotcha. Gotcha. And it, it, would you say it's, I've heard someone tell me this, that your, your light roast is, has more caffeine in it versus your dark roast. Is that a true statement? From, technically that is true technically <laughs> yeah technically that's true and i say technically because um like the amount of caffeine that's in a light versus a dark the difference is like 0.00 you know it's a very very small number so if you really want to notice the difference you would have to drink like multiple pots of coffee gotcha in a day. gotcha so um when you roast your coffee i'm assuming you do sampling tests or do you have somebody else do that for you um, uh, no, no, I'm doing that. Um, and so the way, the way roasters are set up, um, there's like a little, I can't remember the technical term for it, but it's almost like a little trowel that goes into the roaster. So I'm using a pen. So it goes into the roaster and as the beans are spinning around roasting, yeah. when you pull this little trowel out, a little 
small amount of beans come out with it. it it's like hollow. hollow. Um, so then at different times you can get a little sample, keep it to the side. Um, so then you can record time and temperature when you pull that sample out. So when you taste it, you have a good idea of like multiple samples and where that roast should be. Interesting. I, uh, yeah, that's a, uh, I've seen a couple of videos where I think it's more for wine tasting where they mm -hmm. wine tasting in, from the manufacturer's perspective in terms of, you know, they, you know, gargle and put in their mouth and oh, yep. around just to check. And I'm like, okay, is that the same process? You actually make yourself a small cup of coffee and check it out to make sure it's the right texture. And, you know, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a, I, I'm a coffee drinker, but not a manufacturer. So I was wondering uh -huh. what that, that journey looked like. Yeah. Um, so it's very similar to kind of what you just said. Um, the technical, the, term is called cupping um, and so what you would do is you would lay out like how I just mentioned before you would take samples of the roast grind it and put those grounds in a cup and just add hot water and you would have all your samples of one roast lined up usually I mean you could do as much as you want if you got a few people with you um, but then you would go through and you would slurp just like how you said you would gargle the wine you would slurp the coffee to get all the flavors and mix with the air and I'll admit my palate is growing. <laughs> I, I, I'm not, not an expert yet. It's growing. Oh, I could only imagine, you know, the more brands you have, the more you have to like, I only have one, you know, one palate. Right. <laughs> you know, so you have to keep testing them out. To kind of switch gears here, um, you had mentioned um, just before we started talking that like the brand that I purchased from you, you know, a lot, there's been a lot of demand for that brand. Um, mm -hmm. With, um, you know, 2020 has been a very unprecedented year with, um, you know, COVID-19, civil unrest, um, social injustice and all this stuff. People working from home. Mm -hmm. How has that impacted um, coffee? Has there been a, is, you know, is there a demand, no demand? What does that, what does that mean for, for you in terms of um, coffee? Uh, yeah, good question. Um, I would say there's definitely, the demand is definitely there. Um, so the, the biggest thing is people working from home. Um, so, you know, they're not stopping at uh, whatever franchise they pass on the way to work or at the bottom of their building, there might be a little uh, coffee shop. They're not able to get that cup of coffee. Um, so personally, I know everybody's different, but personally, my online sales have went up. Um, so, and I've talked to other people and very similar stories because people are making coffee at home. Um, they, they're not getting that or they're not getting the free office coffee that's, you know, in a pot at their work. Yeah. Um, if they're, if they're ordering it, they want something that they enjoy. Yeah. So they'll spend the little bit extra to get that. Um, now thinking of some of the grocery stores that I'm in when, uh, COVID-19 first um, we'll say, you know, the first happened back in March or, you know, it was first um, kind of put in lockdown and, you know, the uncertainty was, you know, no one knew what was the next week was going to be. Um, the grocery store shelves for coffee, not just my brand, because I would go and check stocks and it, shelves were just depleted. <laughs> like, so that was, that was one thing that people were, um, you know, stocking up on. 
Um, there was a few weeks where when COVID first happened, it was every week I was restocking shelves. So now, now it's kind of leveled back off. Um, and I've talked to one grocery store manager and he said a lot of people are going back to the, at this moment right now, buying more of the, the larger kind of more economical coffee. So maybe like a two or three pound bag of Folgers, let's say, just to you know, throw a name out there. It's been around forever as opposed to the smaller kind of more craft coffee like Sandhill fits into. Gotcha. So I'm glad you, you dropped the word craft coffee. Can you describe to us and the audience what craft coffee is? Yeah. So craft slash specialty coffee is kind of this focus that's went from, and it's seen across other industries as well. Um, but it's more of a focus on smaller batch, um, people wanting to know where their products are coming from. Um, so, you know, I'm not, when I'm roasting, I'm not roasting hundreds or thousands of pounds at a time. Yes. Roasters, coffee roasters are that large, um, for some of the big manufacturers. Um, so it's more of like that small artisanal product. Um, a really good comparison is craft coffee or sorry, craft coffee to craft beer. Gotcha. It's following, uh, that same trend. So you could think of um, like around Chicago or in the suburbs, you know, a lot of the suburbs, each downtown area is starting to get their own little independent cafe. Um, in Chicago, you know, there's a lot of coffee roasters slash cafes popping up. So in terms of Chicago, you've been, you've been doing this three years. Um, do you think sh- Chicago is a coffee drinking um, city? Um, is, you know, some other cities, are, you know, probably not, you know, Seattle for sure. But how does, how does <laughs> Chicago rank um, in terms of coffee drinking cities in the U.S. from your experience? Uh, I would definitely say it's up there. Um, it's definitely growing. Um, if you just, I mean, think of all the, I'm going to say craft coffee. Again, think of all the craft coffee roasters that are popping up between Chicago and the suburbs. Um, and like you said, it's definitely not like a Seattle or a Portland. Um, I know there's a large craft coffee uh, seen in like New York, kind of like the East Coast area too. Um, but I would say Chicago's growing. I mean, you got there's a lot of good roasters, a lot of good cafes out there. So, have you actually been to some of these um, um, farms where these coffees are, are being grown? And if you have, can you just give us an ex- what your experience was when you when you did go there? Yeah, so I've actually been down to Guatemala twice. Um, so I do I purchase coffee from Guatemala, and yeah, I'm really trying to make it a point to get to visit all of the farms um, that I work with, you know, one relationship building. Um, but two, I thought it was very important since me not being in the industry prior to this, you know, I need to be able to uh, back up what I'm talking about. Um, so the experience of going down there was my first time was, you know, unbelievably eye-opening. It was an amazing experience. Um, I actually stayed with one of the farmers in their guest bedroom for a few days <laughs> to get the full experience. Um, so during that, I learned kind of everything that goes on from you know, like the nursery where they're starting to grow the baby coffee plants um, from harvesting coffee, processing coffee, getting it ready for shipment, uh, roasting it. Cause they have a small roaster that they uh, roast coffee for people locally um, on site there. 
Uh, so I learned everything. It was an amazing experience. Um, the people were incredibly nice um, and they were just happy to share and show me what they do. Like, you know, their farm, they took such great pride in it, you know, raising the coffee plants, harvesting the coffee. Um, so it was an amazing experience. Once they're done, they ship the coffee to you in the States here, right? It's, that's, is that the process of getting your, uh, the beans, at least the coffee beans out here to you? Yeah. So it, it will make its way to a warehouse. Um, there's actually, there's like coffee storage warehouses, you know, temperature, humidity regulated, uh, environment, very environmentally controlled. Um, and the coffee will go there. And these warehouses, there's several large ones across the U.S., uh, but some smaller ones that deal with coffee too. Uh, but from these warehouses, it will then come to me, for example. Gotcha. Interesting. So um, I guess to switch gears and also to keep to time here, we have a few more minutes here. Um, so the restaurant industry um, it, it, and, and, and food-related, what's your – What's your perspective on the industry and how Chicago specifically is going to be able to survive, you know, the restrictions the government has placed on, you know, hours of operation and mm -hmm. um, occupancy rates. And we're about to go into the, we're actually fall started yesterday or today, you know, so what, what, what's your thoughts on that and, and, and the industry about the industry? Uh, oh yeah. It's, it's tough. Um, you know, unfortunately, I feel bad for the people that have shut their doors down already uh, due to the complications from this um, and the people that are pushing through. You know, it's great that they can manage. Um, but I, I think the, the people that can make it through are going to be stronger out the end. I know that sounds kind of cliche, um, but people are, people are adapting, whether it be, you know, outside tents and creating spaces where people can still safely get out restaurants and support their local restaurants um so yeah winter is definitely going to be tough um but i hope people find a way to make it through whether that be you know heated outdoor seating you know something heated outdoor seating would be that would be interesting <laughs> would... oh i mean especially once january february rolls around when you know some yeah. negative days start happening that's gonna be super <laughs> tough yes yeah, yeah, the the restaurant week um, is usually January, February of every year. So I'd be interested to see how, what the industry does in Chicago here to survive during that time. So, yeah, cause it's it's not you know not like others. It's you can't eat a meal virtually. <laughs> so it's well well said. <laughs> <laughs> Well said. Yeah, you cannot. That that's a tagline right there. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot. You cannot. It's yeah. It's um part part of why we we created this platform. Fired up is to to hear the stories of people like you and what they're doing, how they're doing it, um, and their observations about the industry. Um, you know, and you, you know, you said a couple of things, you know, it may not be too crazy to get virtual meals. Um, mm -hmm. Even if it's just a credit, you don't actually eat anything, but money is virtually sent to you. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, there you go. You know, it's like, oh, okay. I get to use this when I can, when it's right. outside. So awesome. Well, I also wanted to make sure that our audience could find where to get your coffee. 
and how to get their the coffee. So do you mind letting us know where they can find you? Oh, definitely. Um, so well, social media is at Sandhill Coffee for all outlets, um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, which I'm not too active on Twitter, uh, but it's all at Sandhill Coffee. Uh, as far as ordering coffee, uh, the website is www.sandhillcoffee.com. Um, that's Sandhill, S-A-N-D-H-I-L-L, coffee.com. Um, and from there, I have descriptions about each of the varieties of coffee that we currently have. Uh, if you have any questions, my email's on the website. I can, I'll help you out. Um, or if there, you can look on the website as well for some of the retail locations we're in. If there's a small store close to you, you can go there as well, support the local grocery store. Absolutely. I was I actually need to check that out. If there's one in Frankfurt, then maybe I could go grab a, grab one before, <laughs> before the other yeah, one arrives. I'm, yeah. Oh, unfortunately, I'm not down that way yet. Working on it. Not a problem. Not a problem. Well, Phil, I want to thank you so much, Phil from Sandhill Coffee, um, for spending time with us um, to tell us about your journey as an entrepreneur, as the founder of Sandhill Coffee and how you got into it what got you into it, how you're doing it, and your observation about the industry. And um, we are so excited that we have, we have you as our first um, guest. And I want to thank you so much for your time, um, Phil. I uh, appreciate your time. I appreciate you. And I look forward to talking to you soon. Oh, definitely. Likewise. And Dapo, thank you very much for having me. And thank you again. I appreciate it. Thank you.